It was just another Saturday. It was June, and it was 1994. It was 9 p.m., and the sun was setting over the small town of Smithers, British Columbia. As the evening wore down, Ramona Wilson was finishing dinner with her mother, Matilda. She was expected at a dance in Hazleton, and as they ate takeout lasagna, Ramona told her mother that she was planning on spending the night with a friend and not to expect her back. Ramona was a bright girl. She did well in school, and even though she had penchant for skipping the occasional class, she had recently been hired as a peer counselor. She loved talking to people, and she was excited for the summer to begin. As far as she was concerned, it already had begun. With the school year winding down, there seemed to be a party, or a barbecue, or a dance, almost every weekend. It was 9.30 when Ramona kissed her mother, gathered her things, and walked out the front screen door. The sun was still setting and the air was just starting to cool as she walked the short distance from her house to Highway 16. It was there that she stopped, stuck out her thumb, and waited for a ride. I'm Taryn Gorbon, and this is Monograph. When Ramona never arrived at the dance, her friend Crystal shrugged it off, thinking she probably changed her mind and decided to spend the night with her friend Dustin in Morristown. It wasn't until Monday, when Ramona never showed up to school, that Crystal became concerned. After school, Crystal called Smitty's, a local pancake diner where Ramona worked on Mondays as a dishwasher. She never showed up for her shift. It was around this time that Ramona was reported missing. Her parents called the RCMP, who were less than helpful. They told the Wilsons that she probably just needed to blow off some steam. Give her some time, they said. She'll come back. Her mother knew better, though. If Ramona had run away, like the cops suggested, she would have taken her makeup and clothes, which were still left untouched in her room. This was not the first missing persons case in the small town of Smithers. Just four years earlier, on June 14, 1990, 16-year-old Delphine Nicole was hitchhiking from Smithers to her house in Telqua, just a short, 10-minute drive away. In point of fact, in the months that Ramona Wilson was missing, the bodies of two other young women were found along Highway 16. Roxanne Thiara was only 15 years old and worked as a prostitute, walking the streets of the crime-ridden city of Prince George. During the July-long weekend of 1994, Roxanne disappeared after telling her friends that she was going out with a client. Her friends watched as she walked around the corner of a building and was never seen again. Her body was found dumped in a bush off of Highway 16 on August 17th. 
Leah Alicia Germain was also 15 years old and also known to have worked in Prince George as a prostitute. Her body was found by three teenagers, stabbed to death behind a Prince George Elementary School on December 9th, 1995. It wasn't until 10 months after Ramona went missing that her body was found. On April 9th, 1995, two men driving ATVs on the trails behind the Smithers Regional Airport came upon the body of Ramona Wilson. Near her body was also found a small section of rope, three nylon ties, and a small water pistol, neatly organized in a pile. Just six months later, Lana Derrick, a 19-year-old forestry student, went missing from a gas station in Terrace. She was last seen getting into a car with two men. A composite sketch was eventually made of the two men, but nothing ever came of it. By this time, the highway had been given a new name. It was known as the Highway of Tears. According to investigators, the highway has claimed 18 victims. However, First Nations groups report that the number is much higher, over 30, and in some reports, over 40. In the fall of 2005, under mounting pressure from victims' families and First Nations groups, the E-Division Criminal Operations ordered a review into the unsolved murders and disappearances along the infamous Highway 16. The task force, dubbed Project E-Pana, eventually took responsibility for 18 cases spanning from 1969 to 2006 along three major BC highways, Highway 97, Highway 5, and of course, Highway 16. Charged with investigating whether or not a serial killer was stalking BC's highways, Project Epana, Pana being an Inuit word for the spirit goddess that looks after souls before they go to heaven, eventually amassed over 60,000 interviews and currently have over 1,400 suspects. One of their strongest suspects came in the case of Nicole Hoare, one of the few non-Aboriginal victims of the Highway of Tears. Nicole was a tree planter from Red Deer, Alberta, who disappeared from a gas station in Prince George. She was planning on surprising her sister in Smithers, who wanted her to attend a local music festival. She was last seen with a man in his mid-fifties who had a scruffy beard and a pronounced jagged scar on the left side of his neck. After dozens of interviews with locals and hundreds of tips from the public, the man, it was discovered, was an associate of Leland Switzer, a man that lived on the outskirts of Prince George in the tiny sawmill town of Isle Pierre. Just two days after Nicole's disappearance, Leland Switzer murdered his brother during a supposed argument, shooting him through the heart with a rifle. Some of Switzer's neighbors reported hearing gunshots on the property the night that Nicole went missing. 
and in 2009, acting on a tip by a neighbor that Leland was seen pouring gasoline down his well and then lighting it on fire, RCMP converged on the property formerly owned by Leland Switzer, who was, at that point, serving a prison sentence for killing his brother. Despite an extensive search of the property, the search yielded no results. The first major break in the Highway of Tears investigations came in 2012 in the cold case of Colleen McMillan. Colleen went missing in the summer of 1974. She was a pretty 16-year-old strawberry blonde. She lived in Laclahash, a small lake community off of Highway 97. She was known for being shy, friendly, and level-headed. On August 7th, she told her little brother Sean that she was leaving the house to go see a friend and not to tell her mother that she was hitchhiking. Her body was found ditched along an old logging road south of a hundred mile house. The case remained cold for over 30 years until, using newly available techniques in the field of forensics, a DNA profile was compiled of the perpetrator. It was then sent to Interpol where it found a match. The DNA belonged to Bobby Jack Fowler, an American drifter from Texas who spent time in British Columbia during the 70s. He had already died of lung cancer in an Oregon prison, 10 years into a 16-year sentence for the sexual assault and kidnapping of a 66-year-old woman. Investigators announced the DNA match in September of 2012 and have since named Fowler as the prime suspect in two other Highway of Tears murders. Still, Fowler is not responsible for the majority of murders along the Highway of Tears. Fowler only lived in BC for a short time during the 70s and he could not have been responsible for the string of disappearances and murders along Highway 16 in the 90s. This leads me to believe that there is not one, not two, but possibly even three or four killers at work along the Highway of Tears. Besides the case of Colleen McMillan, only one other Highway of Tears case has ever been solved, and that was the case of 12-year-old Monica Jack. Monica disappeared on May 6, 1978, while riding her bike along the highway near the Nicola Ranch in Mission, BC. When she never arrived home, her parents became concerned and called the police. The next day, at around 4 p.m., Monica's bike was found, but it wasn't until 17 years later, on June 2nd, 1995, that her body was found badly decomposed just north of Merritt, six kilometers from Highway 5. Some witnesses in 1978 recall hearing a young girl scream and a beat-up camper driving in the area that Monica went missing. In 2014, RCMP investigators announced a connection in the case to serial rapist Gary Taylor Hanlon. He was arrested and charged, without incident, 
for the murder of Monica Jack, as well as the murder of 11-year-old Catherine Mary Hebert, a girl who went missing in 1975 and was not a part of the official victims list. Accusations of racism and police and government incompetence have plagued the investigations into the Highway of Tears from the start. Nicole Hoare, who was one of the few non-Aboriginal victims who disappeared from the Highway of Tears, was the first victim to attract national and international media attention, and it was the result of the Highway's newfound infamy that eventually led to the creation of the task force dedicated to solving the murders. In addition to many victims' families' allegations that RCMP officers were often reluctant to investigate cases of missing Aboriginal girls, it was recently discovered that a former staffer at the BC Ministry of Transportation was ordered to delete dozens of emails related to the Highway of Tears. When he protested, an assistant snatched his keyboard away and did the deed himself. It was in 2006 that a symposium was held in Prince George. Attended by civic leaders, First Nations groups, and many of the victims' families, the conference eventually produced the Highway of Tears Symposium Recommendation Report. First among its 33 recommendations was the proposal of a shuttle bus service that would run between Prince George and Prince Rupert. Considering the cuts to the area's Greyhound bus route, it would have been a great idea, though nothing ever came of the recommendation. The report also made the recommendation that Cecilia Ann Nicall should be considered an official victim of the Highway of Tears. Cecilia lived in Smethers and disappeared in 1989, where she was last seen along Highway 16. RCMP, however, maintained that she went missing from Vancouver and thus should not be included as an official victim. Of note, Cecilia Ann Nicall is the cousin of Delphine Nicall, another girl who went missing from Smithers in 1990, less than a year after the disappearance of her younger cousin. Still, Epana's reluctance to take on new cases could be a result of the significant cuts to its yearly budget. In 2012, the same year the task force announced their DNA match to Bobby Jack Fowler, Project Epana was receiving in excess of $5 million per year. By 2013, their budget had been cut by more than $3 million. By 2014, they were receiving $803,109. At one point, the task force had over 70 full-time officers working on the Highway of Tears, but today, they have just a handful. In a dark RCMP storage room, boxes upon boxes containing police reports and interviews fill every single shelf from floor to ceiling. They contain the efforts of thousands of hours of police work, and unfortunately, despite all that work, these cold cases will likely never be solved. And while the missing women of the Highway of Tears may be gone, they will never be forgotten. They live on in the hearts and in the memories of those who love them. In the woods behind the Smithers Regional Airport, a small plaque sits, hidden among the moss and overgrown weeds. It commemorates Ramona Wilson. 
Every year, her mother, Matilda, leads a candlelight vigil along the highway to the spot where they found her body. If you drive along the Highway of Tears, you will see some of the most beautiful landscapes you have ever laid your eyes on. You'll see lakes, and you'll see mountains. You'll drive and you'll pass beat-up cars with faded bumper stickers. You'll keep driving and you'll see a deer, or a moose, or maybe even a bear. You'll come upon a billboard, nestled among the trees that overlook a vast canyon, its paint peeling. And you'll see the pictures of three young girls, their faces smiling. Further up the road, you might even see a girl. And she'll be standing along the road, and her arm will be stretched out. Her thumb will be up, and you'll never drive along the highway again without thinking about the highway of tears. Monograph was written and produced by Taryn Gorbon, with music by Chris Zabriski. If you have any information about any of the girls related to the Highway of Tears, please call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8427. Thank you for listening.